on this week's episode of PLNPJ's Newcastle's New Ownership. back to the only Premier League podcast with a dress code. That dress code being jammies, of course. And Jake, I noticed you're wearing a little sweater this time as well. I mean, it's getting a little chilly out. It is. It's like about 48 degrees when I entered. So, uh... Yeah, no, and, and it's important to not only stay warm, but stay cozy, cozy. during we are these cold the months. kings of, of cozy, cozy, some people call us. Yeah, the podcast, at least with the coziest dress code. Mm-hmm. You know, the men in blazers exist, and they don't always wear blazers. And they don't. We oftentimes wear pajamas. We rarely miss it, but we're certainly a lot cozier than they are in their blazers. And if you're joining us from our TikTok audience, this is Jake and Brent. Hello. From the PLMPJ's podcast. Thank you for joining us. Um, but Brent, let's get right into our one topic that we're talking about because it's a big one. It's an, it's an episode special, as you will. Usually we have our little introductory topic that we kind of gloss over and then mm-hmm. go into the meat of the podcast. But today... We're starting with the entrees. No you know, apps. Yeah, no, no apps. apps at all. No desserts either. Like, oh, really? Now that is, I was very much looking forward to dessert. Nope. <laughs> so that, that's frustrating. Hey. All of the souffle. I can wait. <laughs> anyway, um, Newcastle, Jake. Yes, that's a New ownership, a Saudi-backed group, has now taken ownership of Newcastle United. And according to a pie chart I saw put out by ESPN FC... The club is now responsible for over 75% of the wealth in the Premier League, which is shocking to think of considering how wealthy Man City already is. How much money is now available to the Magpies? Yeah, the figures are quite insane. Um, They're quite Tony Stark. <laughs> Stark, Tony Stark, it's a, you know, it's a pun. It's a play on Right, word. no, that was yeah, great. Yeah, thanks. Um, but yeah, it's incredible how much money is going into this team now with the new owners. And to be clear, the Premier League only accepted this bid because it's not the actual Saudi government right. per se. It is a group of owners or you know, financiers in Saudi Arabia, including like the Prince of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, but not the Saudi government. Well, what, and what's ironic about that is Arsenal is literally sponsored by the country of Rwanda, <laughs> but they have an issue with... I think that's a little Sa- different. I know it is, but it's still just funny that... I mean, you have the president of Rwanda coming out and saying Arsenal need to perform right. better. Meanwhile, the Premier League are then saying, like, oh, we can't have a country own this team. Oh, but they can sponsor them and send them a bunch of money. I think that's different because, you know, they don't make decisions, I guess. It's sponsor versus ownership. Yeah. But I get It's different, where you're but same, same. Exactly. Yeah. Wise words. Um, but Brent, uh, we touched upon this in our pre-discussion. As we often do. Uh, no financial... Financial fair play issues. Can you discuss that? Yeah. So essentially the way that financial fair play works, and the reality is it doesn't really work. But in theory, the way it was set up to work is that it's based on a team's net losses each season. And it's meant to prevent teams from overspending each transfer window on players. So the more 
loss you have the season before, the less you can spend in the next season is the way that it works. And, you know, so that's meant to be, you know, PSG, for instance, selling only youth players or letting people go for free and then bringing in 200 million pound signings. I mean, I don't know who would ever be worth that much money. You're like, I can't sure. imagine a time when that would have ever happened. Neymar. Um, <sighs> yeah, de- definitely not. But the thing is, Jake, the Magpies have net profit over their past few seasons. So they are not affected by these financial fair play rules these next few windows, this next year, whatsoever, meaning they could presumably spend up to 200 million pounds just in January yeah, and then do it again or more in the summer with no repercussions because they have profits, which is astounding. And Brent, as we just said, financial fair play really does not work, um, you know, good in theory. Um, not enforced. But when it's implemented, it's, it's not. Uh, so, yeah, exciting times uh, if you're part of the Toon Army. Mm-hmm. Getting to see this new ownership. I know people were upset with the previous owner. Sure. Uh, I think it was 15 years he uh, was in charge and just kind of held that city ransom. Well, and their... he didn't have enough money to really take them very far also. Sure. I, I can see that side of it. Um, but, you know, the fans didn't really see that sure. either. You want um, results if you're a fan. You're very passionate. You're exactly. emotional, reactionary. That's what fans are there for. You know. And uh, regardless of where this money is coming from and the ethics behind that, it, it's got to be pretty exciting to know that coming up in January and then especially during the summer, you could see an entirely different club you know, in the next year or so. Well, and I think what's important to remember is that these kinds of things take time. Even when Chelsea first were taken over by Abramovich, even when Man City got their new owners a few years ago, I guess it's more than a few now, but when they got their new owners... The transition to becoming a top, top top club takes time. You need to first focus on making it to the Champions League before you can think about winning mm-hmm. the league title because that's the kind of competition that attracts top players. It's not like they're going to be signing Kylian Mbappe and early Holland in this upcoming window. You know? But Griezmann signed Mbappe and his football manager. Well, I did he, see that <laughs> when he was playing as Newcastle. Yeah, so I mean, in theory, on football manager, it could happen in real life. Not going to happen. Maybe in 10 years' time, you know, that's when they're looking at at making that happen. But I think the important thing is that you create a slow transition to success, that you start getting the right players now to start elevating the level of your squad. You do have quality players already and quality youngsters. I'm thinking, you know, St. Maximin. Mm -hmm. Callum Wilson is, again, I mean, I know he's been out, but a proven Premier League goal scorer is still relatively young in his later 20s. It's not like he's, uh, you know headed towards retirement sure. anytime soon. Fabian Scher is a decent center back. I know he hasn't been starting lately. Dubrovka is a decent goalie. Uh, you know, and, and and like I said, you have some youngsters. You have people like Longstaff that are in there and Matty Longstaff who's been struggling at Aberdeen, but, you know, still, you know, a, a promising young player. And I think those are the kind of core players that you have to build upon. And I think their first matter of business in terms of players will have to be establishing the spine of their team. And they've been linked with Nick Pope which I think would be a great goalkeeping signing for them, even though Dubrovka has been solid. They've been linked with Tarkovsky, mm-hmm. which would also be a great center back signing. They have been linked with Jesse Lingard and Deli Alley for their midfield. And, you know, you throw in a quality striker on top of that. That's where you start to build your team over time and let it grow from there as the team gets better results. Definitely. And uh, I'm talking about players and how they can start to 
reshape their team as a whole. Do you think it's players first? Do you think it's the coach that needs to be implemented or do we need a new football director what do we think well, the order is there here? is reports coming out that steve bruce is going to be sacked by the end of this week yeah and look at the end of the day man city man united tottenham chelsea arsenal liverpool are not lining up to sign steve bruce as their manager you're kidding i'm not i wouldn't i i'm being very serious right meow um nice uh but but that being said jake you know, is, is it a deserved sacking? No, but if the ambitions of these new owners are to take the team to the top, then that starts now. Uh, you, you start making those changes now. And Steve Bruce is a fine manager, has done fine for a long time, but I'm thinking if in the interim they're not going to sign a Pep Guardiola. But no. if they could steal like a Brendan Rodgers from Leicester, I think that would be a great coach to get them going in the direction they want to. I think it's hard to pull them away from Leicester, but as Leicester are turning into kind of a selling club, sure, always have been. They're a big turnover of player, bring in promising youngsters, make a profit. That's that's always been their system. But if you can take a manager like Brendan Rodgers, who has had success and bring him to Newcastle, that's that's at least in my mind who I would think they should bring. Uh, the the other person that I think they could look to is Ten Hog from Ajax, Ajax yeah. which I think would be fantastic. I still think he's going to get swooped up by Barcelona, but if Newcastle could somehow now get in there and provide him a lucrative offer and say this is the plan for the team, that man has experience developing teams, changing play styles, making teams play that he wants sure. to, and you know having a play style that adapts to to the way that the game adapts itself. But Jake, to answer your question we kind of compiled the list of what Newcastle needs to do first. And you mentioned it last, but it's our number one is the director of football. Yeah. um, Someone that knows what they're doing in that capacity and can come in and really make changes that actually matter, not just big flashy ones Now that you have money, but something that will actually turn the club around and be a good long-term effect. Um, you saw something similar with Tottenham bringing in uh, Pertici, yeah. however you say his name, um, to kind of run things because their management was awful. Obviously, a little different story with Newcastle, but I think that's kind of where you need to start. You need to have someone uh, even above the manager who, who knows what they're doing, uh, can bring in the right players, and really like change the culture of a, a club that has not been used to winning recently. Yeah, and they certainly have the history. You know, right. I mean, they've had great players. They've had players like Alan Shearer at the team who was one of the greatest Premier League strikers of all time. And, and they've had success. It just hasn't been for a long time. And if I'm Newcastle, my dream is bringing in Edwin van der Sar and then bringing in Ten Hag below him because they're already working so well together at Ajax. They've created such a winning environment at Ajax. They have success. I mean, you look at their Champions League run mm-hmm. with a bunch of relatively, you know, the time, unknown players that were young when you think of Delict, De Jong, Van de Beek. Uh, you know, they had Dusan Tadic up front, but they also had Ziyech. And that's the kind of system, the, 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 the team, the coach, director of football team, that could take Newcastle to where they want to be in a league that is more attractive to players than the Dutch league. And at the end of the day, they still have time to develop young players that they would sign, but could also bring in stars. Um, so that's who I'd be looking at personally would be Edwin van der Sar from, from Ajax. I still personally, just as a United fan, hope that he goes to Manchester United. But I think Newcastle would be a great place for him. Yeah, so you're, you're talking about a clean sweep of the managerial and director of football yep. from Ajax. Okay. I, I don't disagree with that. I think what is happening over in Ajax is, is great. 
uh, motto, or not motto, but a, a, something to follow. And I think that if Newcastle could, could do something similar, um, they could really up their chances in the Premier League. Uh, for me, I think something that's more not more important, but just as important is getting a coach that plays a style that you want to play. So we put that right under director of mm-hmm. football as things that need to be done first. Um, other names that have been linked, uh, Gerard, Conte even. And Gerard's done an amazing job sure. with Rangers as well. So I, I think any of the names that we've heard you know, in the rumor mill that have been linked to Newcastle would, would be a great ad- uh, addition to that club. And I think right after they get their director of football situated, I think the coach is the next thing to do. I, I know I uh, predicted that Bruce would get sacked after not getting a win in his first nine or ten matches. Uh, I did not predict that they were going to get taken over by sure. Saudi money, and he was going to be ousted because of that. You didn't have a that's so raven moment no. that you saw into the future. Uh, I could do that face, but... <gasps> yeah, the, the little... Yeah. yeah. I mean, nobody that's listening can see it, but I'd sure. like to think they've seen that's so raven and know exactly what we're exactly. talking about. Yeah. Uh, but Brent, I do you have anything else to say on the coaching matter? I know Steve Bruce, you know... People are, he's starting to fall out of favor and he's most likely going to be gone in the next week or so. Um, but do you have an idea on the replacement? I know you said uh, Ten Hag from Ajax, but any other insights? No, I, I don't have any because I, I don't think anybody's ever been in a situation like this where they could theoretically have Zidane Zidane or Antonio Conte, not because they have the team that they would want to coach, but because they have so much money. You could just throw it at them and say, how much are you willing to take? How much would it take for you to get, you know, some time at Newcastle United to take us where we want to be? But that being said, I think for where the team is now, you don't want to bring in the superstar manager like Conte, like Zidane. You want that developmental manager that not only has a play style that's attractive, but has experienced developing players and developing teams Mm -hmm. and giving them the time to provide success. over. I mean, like I said, it's not going to be instant success. It's uh, it's more of a culture, and you know, even getting the training ground fixed. Sky Sports had you know reported that somebody within the club had said it's the worst training ground that they've ever seen at Newcastle. Yikes! And so you know, even getting that fixed. I mean, there are plenty of places to start before the team has a lot of success. But but yeah, I, I think it's about a developmental coach. And then speaking of development, our number three is the players themselves because that takes the most time. Definitely, Brent. And uh, obviously, it's only October, but looking ahead to the future, if they were to make a signing in January, possibly a statement signing, um, that would be huge for the club and maybe make a push. I mean, they are so low in the table right now. They are in they are. danger of relegation as it goes. Um, anyone on the top of your head that you have as a impact signing that they can make in January or the beginning of summer? Yeah, they've already been linked with them, and I know we brought up names like Lingard, like Tarkovsky, like Nick Pope, but for me it would be Mauro Icardi, who is struggling for game time at PSG, who is not going to get game time at PSG behind Mbappe, Neymar, and Lionel Messi. Exactly, yeah. I think that's the type of player who's a proven goal scorer, an Argentinian international who is desperate to impress, was great at Inter Milan, and is the kind of signing that they wouldn't they, they probably have to pay pretty high wages for him considering his contract to PSG. Mm-hmm. But the transfer fee wouldn't be that high, and that's the kind of player you could bring in for thirty million pounds that, you know, isn't gonna break the bank, but is a statement signing for them going forward and is a natural number nine goal scorer. And Brent, uh, someone that I thought of that's not a flashy signing, um, might not even be a signing overall, it could just be a loan. 
but could be very reasonable, especially in this January window, not getting any playing time at their current club. You mentioned him earlier briefly, Donnie Van de Beek. Yeah. Struggling, struggling to find that playing time with United and not really happy with Ole and his mm-hmm. promises that are not being kept. I think he would have a similar effect as uh, Joe Willock in that midfield. And I think someone that could add to their uh, attack going forward and something that they could consider in January. And especially if they do get Ten Hag coming sure. back, I, that's that even chemistry. more of an influence of just an ex-Ajax player that knows the system, knows how he wants to play, could be a young leader for the team as he was for Ajax. And that could be a really good fit. And it's funny to think that United almost let him go to Everton at the start of the season and he could end up at Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, not the same Newcastle from the beginning yeah. of the season. It's like to be fair. it's like Shakiri. You know, the backwards career looks sure. great. Like he goes in theory Newcastle to Manchester United, and then ends his career at his hometown club, and go, you know plays at Ajax. <laughs> no, I yeah. love that. Uh, but but yeah, and and at the end of the day, Jake, the last question that I have for you is: How long until they're Premier League top four contenders and title contenders? Uh, <clears throat> Brent. I think if you look at a similar model like Manchester City when they had their new owners, um, obviously in a little different place than City were, but it's going to take some time. Um, I think they're going to be a top half of the table team. Maybe not this year because, you know, rough start. They just uh, have to stay in the premise. Ex- exactly. If they don't get relegated, it's a success. But uh, next season, I think they finish around 10th, maybe 9th. Uh, with some new signings, you know, it takes a little bit to get that chemistry building, and you can't have too many new signings at once. Uh, but they're slowly going to bring in better and better players. They're going to have a new coach that knows what he's doing and can, um, you know, progress this player, these players and get into a position to challenge for the top four. But that's not going to be for four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think we see Newcastle in the Champions League until maybe eight years from now at the at the soonest jake i think you're spot on my initial thought was title contenders in 10 years Mm -hmm. that it'll take time when again thinking about like you know even training ground development stadium development staff development you know whether whether it's an athletic trainer or whether it's the coaching staff or it's the owners or the director of football i mean these things take time to develop and even as they have brand new owners it'll take time for them to really get a foothold and start making considerable change so i think 10 years time title contenders and i tend to agree with you that seven to eight years maybe they're pushing towards the top Mm. four yeah but i think their first season pushing for the top four is their first season as quote title contenders which i think will be eight or you know 10 years eight to ten years okay um i can't wait to use these sound bits next season when they have an invincible season oh okay win the premier league yeah you're not concerned about that happening this year I'm not. No. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, I mean, thank you for double checking. Yeah, no, it's, I'd, I hate you to look a fool. <laughs> you know, it's, know. that's the first thing I think of when I wake up every morning. Is like, how do I not look like a fool today? Right. Well, Jake, I often look like fools when I'm betting. <laughs> I lost quite a bit of money on the United States national team against Panama this week, and Ooh. I felt like a fool. Did you bet outcome or? I had a lot of bets. Oh my! None of them involved a Panama win. <laughs> I hedged my bet to have a draw, draw. Uh, and that did not happen. The United States lost, but I'm hoping to recover some of that money right. this week with our weekly bets. And Brent, uh, unlike your bets on the U.S., these are sure things. They are. Never, Put your hat on it. Never once. Thank you. 
Never once lost. Yep, never. Never uh, lost. <laughs> never. Um, don't go back and listen to our old episodes and no. then compare it to and the results. And if you've lost money because of our bets already, you heard we wrong. don't hold ownership over those sure. bets. Those right. were your own choices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Brent, <laughs> on that note, uh, our surprise odds of the week. We have Brighton going against a lowly Norwich City. Plus 115 to win. Which is shocking, considering Norwich have not really scored all season. They have one penalty and one run of play goal. Which will come into play later in the betting Right, segment. it will. But let alone then Brighton, who is in flying form, not to make a pun about Seagulls, but they are in flying form. They're soaring. They're soaring. Uh, a lot like Gabrielle and Chloe. Say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but plus 115 to win. It seems like almost Barstool Sportsbook made a mistake on that one. Uh, yeah, I, I want to say that it's too good to be true. Yeah. But, you know, Vegas is always right. They are. They always win. Um, so uh, I think. Well, except for when it comes to us. Right. Sorry. We, always we are always right. Yeah. There you go. Um, but I, I do think it's going to be maybe a 1 0 victory. Okay. Um, I don't think there's going to be a ton of goals. I think Norwich are pretty good at stifling the other team enough to, you know, kind of hold on and then maybe give up one at the end. Maybe a Josh Sargent, you know, master class doesn't score but works really hard. And you love to see That's that. That's what he does. From the, what I call them, the running, diving, and scoring tomato. Yes, something like that. Um, speaking of, just any color combination they do with their jerseys looks horrendous with his yeah. hair. Yeah, and no, it's not good. It's They're terrible. not complimentary. You know, it really no. doesn't bring out the red in his hair. It, it does it, not. It's it, not in a good way, at least. In a bad way, it brings it out. But, Jake, we also have our game bet of the week, which is Leicester City to beat a week in Manchester United side, which I know today, as of Tuesday, you had a Ronaldo hat-trick and a Bruno goal and assist today for Portugal against Luxembourg. Which Big, isn't scary very Luxembourg. Yeah, and two of those Ronaldo goals were penalties. Soft, so, yeah. uh, you know, not there in flying form. Rashford's back. Sancho did well for England. But they have no Varane and no Maguire. So Leicester to beat Manchester United is plus 265. And Brent, I can only imagine... Uh, Ian Nacho and Vardy front two going against Phil Jones in United's back four. Well, yeah, I mean, Phil Jones and Eric Bailly probably. We'll see if Lindelof comes back on time. So I, I, I like these odds. I think plus yeah. 265, I know obviously a, an upset if it happens, but I think against a weakened Manchester United defense, it's definitely plausible and, and something to put a couple units down on. Oh, units. Yeah. Is that what we're transferring now? Is that like a Star Wars thing? Like transferring credits and units? No, it's like Varus. Oh. Yeah, Unix. Yeah. Oh, well, you're putting some Unix yeah, down on it. Huh? What's the return on that? 265 <laughs> Unix. Oh, no, that I is can't do the What con- would you do with all that? You know, who knows? Too many Unix. Too honestly. many Unix. Jake, our player pick of the week yeah, is not on. a Unix <laughs> that we know of. Alan St. Maximin to score versus Tottenham Hotspur in a game that you think is going to be a momentum game for Newcastle after these, you know, incredible ownership changes. Yeah, obviously uh, the meat of the episode today was about Newcastle, and uh, I, I think they're going to take some sort of momentum into that. Um, it's a home game for them, and I think the fans are kind of inspired by this change of ownership. And I think that leads to some performances on the field and say maximum bagging a goal against uh, a Tottenham side that can, you know, 
be so different from week to week. Sure. Um, you never know. It's it's like a box of chocolates. It's like a box you of chocolates. Know what you're get. One week you, you pick up that one, you're like, oh, I guarantee this is gonna have caramel in it, and you bite into it and you lose three zero to the Crystal Palace. Can I just say though, yeah. I've never understood that quote because a box of chocolates, you never know what you're gonna get. You're gonna get chocolate. I mean, okay. it's very obvious what you're gonna get. But also, Jake, I just want to say I didn't say the odds. It's plus sure. three sixty. Yes. For same X underscore. Back not, to chocolate. That's not as important. <laughs> What's more important is that you look at a box of chocolates. You see chocolate, obviously, but there's different fillings, Brent. That's what Forrest Gump and his mother were saying. Well, but but why don't they say then you never know what fillings you're gonna get? Like I know what I'm gonna get chocolate with a filling. Okay. Or chocolate with no filling. It's very, very clear what you're gonna get. I'm not get. sure if you've seen the movie, but Forrest Gump is not a very loquacious gentleman okay so he's not going to be saying very specific things about this box of chocolates okay and that's all i'm gonna say about it okay yeah a very <laughs> loquacious gentleman was a very delicate way of putting it i appreciate <laughs> it but jake our last bet of the week is going to be a parlay the pirate's code bet of the week norwich brighton again as you mentioned we're going back to it and brett before we move on i want to go back to my statement about forrest gump um Actually, a very loquacious gentleman. Yeah. He, he talks the entire he movie. He talks the whole uh, thing. He's the main character. I, I meant to say his vocabulary. Sure. You know, it, not the best. Not the best. Uh, but moving on to our Pirates Code play of the week, the parlay. We touched upon it earlier. We have Norwich to score less than 0.5 goals, which so means... not to score. Not to score. And for both teams to score in the game, no. No, thank you. No. I'll have none of that. None of it. Yeah. So uh, pretty much just Norwich not scoring, and then Brighton can score as many as they want. Yeah, it's either a 0-0, a 1-0-2, however much you think Brighton's going to score. It's plus 163 Mm -hmm. when you combine those odds. Um, I know Puki scored twice in Finland's win today, but he's not scoring this weekend. Well, he does have a penalty goal and their only other goal this season. But keeping in mind... That's not, you know, two goals in two games. That's a penalty and just, a, you know, a regular goal that you would hope the team would be scoring regardless. And they have played a lot of games sure. and have very few goals. So you can pretty much send to the bank now that they will not score against Brent. And Brent, I didn't watch the game, but when they played Everton, I got a text from my brother and said, it said, Norwich are a bad team. And that's coming from a team playing against Everton, and you compare that, so that'd be really bad. It's like comparing apples and apples. No oranges? No, because they're the the same. So an apple and like a bruised apple. There you go. Okay. Yeah, like a really withered, left out in the sun, no juice left apple. Okay. But still an apple. That's a great visual. (laughs) Um, So yeah, Norwich not to score, both teams not to score, or, you know, you know, that, that. Parlay. Parlay. Yeah, Jake, we, uh, look, we're, we're staying away from the negative bets again. I know we went into that last week, sure. but but this week we're staying away. We're, we're sticking we're to close. the positives. We're, we're positive guys. Plus you know, we're going to pick positive bets. Plus 163. They're close sure. to being Ooh, even. Okay, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. That's what I say if I'm Jake, but I'm not Jake. So I'm going to say these go straight into the bank. In fact, take your deposits out in advance because these are going to hit and you can use that money to spend. And Brent, speaking of the bank, I deposited some uh, Series EE bonds that I was oh. given from my grandparents 
for the first 18 years of life. And uh, if you have the same thing, you take that to the bank, deposit that, get your money, put it on these put bets. Put it on these bets. Yeah. And you're going to exponentially increase the value of your bonds. And the return on that is. Plus a lot. Oh, you're doing the math. A lot of money. There you go. And buy yourself something nice, you know? Winter's yeah. coming. Ooh, now, now that you can do recreational travel to outer space with Virgin Airlines, sure. and I mean, maybe buy yourself one of those tickets. Yeah, um, or buddy up to Elon Musk, either way. There you go. Uh, but Brent, before we get too far away from football. We do tend to do that. Um, our whiskey's gone. And so are our high noons. Yep, and the topics are all out. So I guess from the only Premier League podcast with a dress code. The coziest dress code being that as well. pajamas. Yep. Um, we'll catch you next time. Oh, yeah.